All right, yo. All right. I gotta, you know, I always, whenever I have an artist on here that, or, you know, creative on here that has music, we always gotta play something. So, you know, I'm gonna play something real quick. All right, let's do I it. I gotta, man. this is my favorite track off this okay, project. Okay, okay. Yeah, because, you know, it's got, you know, you're like the, we got, I had Mad Wiz, Radimus. Mm-hmm. fucking no. Uh, Riz. Rock, Riz. You know, I haven't had history yet. Yeah, it's all. Yeah, I've yeah, had so. almost most, uh, like, you know, the majority of, like, local so club on here. Home book. <laughs> Yo, Andrew, aka Fifth Guy, man. Yo, I appreciate you coming in. Later. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So this is this is your project right here too that we're listening to. Yeah. So what you you, you produce this beat or? So this is it's a good opportunity for me to clarify. I'm a record producer gotcha. in the original sense of the term. You know, it's only in the genre of hip hop where producer is synonymous with. Beat maker. Yeah, with the you beat know, makers. In every other genre of music, it's understood Mixing what the role master, of the producer yeah, yeah, yeah. was. Yeah, recording mm-hmm. and also having a, a factor in the mixing and mastering as well, of course, but really being the creative director, the connector. Yeah. The one who is saying, like, okay, I got this homie who plays saxophone. I got this homie who sings. I got this homie who could spit a hot 16. Mm-hmm. I got this beat that I've received or that I co-created with, you know, a fellow producer I have this vision of yeah. this concept of a record of an individual song or an entire album. I'm gonna mastermind the whole thing. Yeah, you know, just like it's kind of like being the the facilitator of, of everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. And totally. the reason why the reason why I ask you about this because I've thought about doing the same. I don't produce. I mean, I've made beats before. I don't like pursue it. You know what I mean? I just mm-hmm. do it as like a hobby and kind of just for fun. But I've also you know through my times of being in radio and you know knowing all the artists that i know in the city i've always like that's something that i've always wanted to kind of do is just put together what essentially you would call like a compilation album you yeah. know what i mean of like yeah. all my favorite artists was that that was like something that you came in to to do right that's like yeah what, that's, totally man yeah. And, and beyond that for me starting out i knew i didn't want it just to be a compilation album yeah because a true record producer uses artists and beat makers and producers as their their instruments as a sense mm-hmm. you know you can be as creative and expressive through other people as you can through just yourself yeah. you know it takes a lot of skill to be a quincy jones or a diddy or even a dj khaled i know a lot of people shit on khaled yeah you know and i got my own feelings and takes on him as well <laughs> but it takes a lot of skill to be able to have vision and be uh, a likable person enough to get these different people together. And that track, Transgression, is the perfect example yeah. of like a record producer uh, goal that I don't think anybody else would have been able to do. And that's yeah. not bigging me up. It's just I know how hard that was for me to do, especially back then when like Absol was at the peak. Yeah, that was, it was, it was what, 2019, right? No, nah, that was, no, when I recorded that track, that was like 20... 2016, 2015, 2016. man. Okay, was, yeah, but the album came out in 2019, though, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, okay. yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. But when I got that Absol verse, that was one day after these days dropped. Okay. Um, so whenever, whatever year that was, we could do the research, but it's all yeah. a blur Well, it, it was crazy, too. It's, it's, it's interesting, too, because you had a lot of, like, pretty, you know, especially during that time, you had a lot of, like, uh, big features on that. You know, speaking of Absol, you had Wretch, you had Dash, all those guys were kind of like making moves, and you had a uh, uh, Fayshawn, yep. uh from Cali, one of my favorites. Forever. Yeah, I know. I've met Fayshawn a couple of times. I used to mm-hmm. work at Mass Pill. I don't know if he's still over there, but he was signed to them at one point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a super cool, dude. But like, how did how what were you doing beforehand to kind of like build these relationships with these dudes? Well, 
Yo, the fifth tape was a five-year journey. Yeah. You know, some people like, <clears throat> excuse me, people from like my hometown know the true origins of it. You know, I really was just always a hip hop head growing up from a very young age. I'm the youngest of, of five brothers. Okay. So I have four older brothers. I'm the fifth son in my family. So being the youngest and having like four older brothers who all grew up in the 90s and were breakdancing and you know, doing graffiti and mm. really into the culture. I got to soak in all of that game at a young age. So out in LI where I grew up, I was like touted as the most, uh, what would you say? Most educated hip hop kid around. You know, the hip hop historian of the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And then like I meet Madwiz eventually years later. I'm like, damn, I'm not shit. Like Madwiz knows Every little detail about it. Yo, everything. how'd that how'd that interaction go? Meeting Madwiz, what was that like? Um, I actually, Madwiz is, I I actually have Madwiz. that on video the first time I ever met Madwiz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on video on Instagram somewhere. But um, but you know, growing up for me, I knew I always wanted to do something in hip hop. Like, yeah. Back in middle school and like early high school, I used to try to write rhymes, and I was nice at writing, but I was trash at delivering vocals honestly. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was it a situation where, like where you you like weren't like necessarily a fan of your voice yeah yeah totally, it was exactly that yeah, and, I, and I just wasn't confident enough yeah so then i went over to making beats and i had an sp44 because i was like loving doom and dilla at the time mm -hmm. and me and my boy david noriega who goes by blank noriega who made 85 percent of the beats on the fifth tape okay um him and i got really close and we had a little crew we were making music with and uh, as the years progressed, you know, me and Dave just really locked in heavy, just him and I, you know. And by the time I was in college, my first year, I was going to University of New Haven in Connecticut. Okay. Yeah. I had a good year there, but I was like, this really isn't for me. I want to be back at least like near my hometown, a little bit closer so I can continue to work with Blank. So I transferred to Five Towns College in 2011 and at five towns is where i met like many people who are on this album i met history yep. i met uh chris watts i met iron chef money mac and speaking of money mac i just yep. want to interrupt please, real please. quick no nah, i uh what's what's the name of the song with him on it it's one with wretch right uh he's on two songs actually but yeah iraq airport yes Wretch. yep yeah i had never heard of him before and uh i like actually like was like all right let me fuck with his music i like actually looked it up yep. after that i i fuck with him he was dope he, yeah money money the, is crazy yeah man. the first where's he from uh he's from hempstead okay yeah Word. yeah, yeah. Right. nah money is, is the god and i feel like he has a lot of dope stuff out there but He's one of those artists who has an entire unreleased catalog mm. that is like his crazy illest work you know and i i believe in money max so much still like i would love to be able to lock back in with him and make some stuff you know yeah. so at five towns i got to meet all those cats but for me it was really connecting with history that changed everything because history linked me with king critical who is heaven williams now yeah. he linked me with radamiz linked me with madwiz and the whole extensive bk fam you know so meeting all this talent i was just like what the, what the hell did I just find? Yeah. You know, just like this entire universe of artists who Blank and I have been looking to work with. And I just knew, okay, I want to make a project of some sort. I was already working on a project that was just going to have like Long, Long Island homies or other people I knew, but like meeting all of them, I was like, okay, I want to make this project with all the homies on it. 
why not try to reach out to a couple OGs or legends or people who I really respect? Yeah. And uh, I just made a list, you know, and I can really say, looking back at that list, I got 90% of the people I wanted on it. Sky Zoo, Fashan, Wretch, um, uh, Kid Daytona, mm-hmm. uh, Dash, Absol, Tragedy Gaddafi, um, all, all, the, all these cats plus more, you know, and I knew it was like crazy to a lot of people and it was crazy to myself, but I was like, yo, there's nothing wrong with just sending emails out. You know, mm-hmm. that was like my thing. Back then people knew like, I would just be looking for artists as managers and find them on Twitter or something. And I would just write an ill email. It wasn't like the most polished thing, but my goal every time I wrote one of these emails to this artist or to the manager of the artist was to just show them that I was a real hip hop head and that I genuinely messed with their artists, yeah. you know, and like genuinely show that I'm a fan first. And most importantly, let them know that I had bread for them off rip. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that strategy worked, you know, most of the time. And yeah. so some features were more difficult to get than others, but really my intention with the project was to showcase the ability of my friends who I was making music with and show that they could stand shoulder to shoulder with these with, bigger names, with yeah. the OGs, you know? Yeah, so. word. And uh, one, th- one thing that was uh, super interesting to me was, um, I want to say, I forgot the name of the song. Um, Who's on it? It might've been, it might've been the, the one with, uh, oh, wow, I forgot, wow, I'm blanking on the name no, right it's now. it's all good, it'll come back to you. Uh, yeah, whatever. I'll come. It'll come back to me yeah. at another time. Um, to walk me through some of the the walk me yo walk, walk me through the moment when you got so you you put these two you know you put these two levels of of artists together you know mm-hmm. like the you know the up and coming with the established who are in you know are definitely like hot in the moment right. Yep. Walk me through what it felt like when you get these tracks back, right? Like when you first heard the the adverse. And you first heard the wretch verse, and you know, yeah. like the the moment in the studio when you when you finished that. Were were they in the studio? Were well, you? Well, those like, two records, which a lot of people don't know, I was in the studio with. Okay, episode. that's all I was about to say. I yeah, was were in you the studio in the studio with, with them? Or? Yeah. I I engineered those sessions with, okay. for, which for me, these are the things people don't know about the fifth tape. Were like my trophies. You know, having Ab Soul rap into my mic that I had to hustle. Yeah. To to get the funds for you know have have. The homie Rush would do the same thing, you know. That was like one of the biggest accomplishments of my career and yeah. life period. So yeah, I was in the studio with them, engineering those sessions. What uh, what studio were you working out of? We were just working out of the home studio oh, in LA yeah. and Blanks yeah. childhood home. We had Ab Soul <laughs> chilling, yeah, <laughs> blazing up. up in there. Yeah, right. yeah, meets Blanks' parents, everything. Yeah. You know, that's awesome, man. Um, and then with Wretch, we did that at uh, my homie Vidon's studio. Okay, I know Vidon. I, yeah. I've met Vidon before. I met him at the uh, Radimus shoot. I forgot yeah. which video it was. But it Let was- me just say on air right now, Vidon is probably the most stand-up person I've met in the industry really? thus far. He's always looked out, always shown love, such an easy person to work with. And... Uh, yeah, man. Iraq Airports was easily one of my favorite records on the whole. Project. Yeah, the beat on that was crazy. That I would say that's I would probably say that and Transgression was probably like my two favorite uh, tracks. Cause I just fuck with Wretch. Yeah. I, I like Wretch. I've yeah. always liked Wretch. Yeah, uh, me too, man. And Wretch, people see him wilding out and all this stuff, yeah. and, and and I look forward to him being out again. Yeah. 
But I, I, something I just want to say is that Wretch has always shown me love and has always just been like stand-up person. You know, I feel like people see this image of him wilding out and doing all this crazy stuff. Yeah. And, and that, that's him as well. But at the same time, he's not some disrespectful dude to like people he knows. You yeah. know? So it was really ill to connect with him on that. And to answer your question, how did it feel to get these verses done and back? Once I got the first few... I was like, okay, I could keep going. You know, Sky Zoo was the first person who really got on the project and, and was willing to accept my my invitation. And he's always been one of my favorite rappers of all time. So yeah. to get Sky first is what really gave me the, the motivation to go on. To keep going, yeah. yeah. And you said this was over a, co- a period of how many years? Five, five, years. five years. When I first started the fifth tape back in... 2014 i thought i'd be done with it in like a couple months <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and nah it wasn't it wasn't the case yeah well it's better that you probably did it that way because it actually i mean it, when you listen to the project it came out as like a solid mm. piece of work rather than just again like the compilation just like if we could go back to it we could go back to like i think i kind of can get the idea of where you're disagreeing with dj Khaled, the kind of vibe mm. goes for Cause it's just like yeah he puts together these albums was just like look at all these big names and the songs don't necessarily yeah. like work together you know what i mean yeah, it's, totally, just, it's just a matter of just like putting shit together just for the, the sake of saying you can put these big names together when this yeah. it's you know what i mean it's a little bit more important than that i think you know nah, but totally, i mean it's man. hard to say when you're at that level you're just like you know yeah of course yeah. But I, one thing that upsets me about the industry sometimes or certain projects is that i feel like there's a lack of attention to detail yeah even just when it comes to For the, sure. the sequencing of tracks uh structuring of of how tracks are even built you know the the care regarding the concepts and yeah for some of those bigger industry albums that's what i feel like is missing it's mm. like damn i would have done this differently not that i'm the, the voice of reason yeah you know? but uh for me the fifth tape was like finally a chance to say this is mine like no one else could you know say nah don't do that or change this or change that you know because i've worked on a lot of albums with different artists uh, around that time, you know, and all of them were dope and mm-hmm. fire, but I knew I wanted something for myself that I had like the last say on. You yeah, know? yeah. I feel you. Yeah, it's, that's always good to uh, be able to like be in control of like what you're doing, you know. Yeah. Or, uh, but there's there's a lot of other stuff that we could talk about, you know, besides the music. Um, you're a super interesting dude, man. Like, I mean, I always see you're traveling. You're always in another country. Um, you know, some of the things that I, I, I want to talk about, and, and we'll get into your podcast as well eventually, um, but some of the topics that I, I wanted to, like, cover with you were, you know, the basis of, like, where this, this I, or the beginning of the journey began, you know what I mean? Like, where mm-hmm. you started being, like, I'm going to be in other countries, I'm going to be exploring different cultures, uh, things like that. Where did that come into play, or when did that come into yeah. play, or what, like, what, when you were coming up in, as a young kid, like, made you want to, you know, explore those things? No doubt, man. Yeah, I think uh, it was a natural trajectory for me because I'm a first-generation um, American. Yeah. You know, my mother's from Jamaica, my father's from Iran, and they met in England. So I kind of, and we were raised in Long Island, New York. Yeah. So growing up, I kind of knew that I had a lot of different energies within me and uh cultures so growing up i've never went to iran yet i'm hoping to in in the coming years but i'll go to jamaica often as a kid Mm. and i think just from like being able to see such different landscapes and traditions and eat different foods 
And all that really influenced me at a young age to see that there was so much more than just yeah. Long Island, New York City, America at that. So for me, what really influenced me to begin doing my own travels was around the same time I transferred to Five Towns back in 2011, I was going through a little bit of a health crisis. I was having some stomach issues, some digestion issues, and just overall just like being aware for the first time in my life that I wasn't feeling that well yeah. physically, you know? And even, you know, emotionally, knowing that I wasn't at my, my best and knowing that I just wasn't eating right, you know? And I, at that same time, I was educating myself a lot on nutrition and some, some spiritual matters as well. Not as much as I would eventually end up, but I saw that I needed to make a change in my life because of this health issue I was having that was like totally destroying my life. Yeah, and that's, a, and that's an, uh, another thing that I thought was like super cool um, about you is because you're pretty open with the with the self exploration. You know what I mean? Oh, like totally, totally. It's, and it's super interesting to me. That, I mean, that's all. It's always dope for me to hear like other people's perspectives on life and like what they're going through or what they um, deem necessary for themselves to become like a uh, a better human being. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. That I completely. So I, for me at 19, I had. Uh, through crisis, I was forced to become aware that I needed to make some changes. So I had older brothers who were vegetarians, not all of them, but, but two of them were. Mm -hmm. And when I was going through these issues, I tried going the Western medicine route first, going to doctors, they were giving me prescription medication, uh -huh, yep. none of it was working, gave it a good try for like six months, and then I was just like, nah, I'm gonna take my power back and see what I can do myself. Because as I said, going to Jamaica, I had grandparents who knew how to go into the bush, what, what they call the jungle or the forest in mm -hmm. Jamaica. And if someone had a stomach ache or someone had a fever, they knew which plant to go to to harvest and make a, a tea from it, you mm -hmm. know, or to make a tincture from it or whatever. So for me, something was kind of awakening within me at that age to tap back into that. Well, what, what, were, you, what were you eating that was... What was like kind of oh, consistent of your diet that you, that you think was sad diet, man, standard American diet, yeah. <laughs> you know, everything that, you know, people eat regular fast food, mm -hmm. pizza, frozen pizza, McDonald's, all, all this garbage, despite my mother being the most amazing cook in the entire family, you yeah. know, like, and always making good, delicious things. I was just raised eating, uh, all this conventional garbage quick, that we get fed. quick and easy things to quick eat. and easy yeah, things yeah. you know high sugar high carbs all that so because of that i got to that point where something was really screaming within my body to change my diet so the first thing i did was a three-day fast back in yeah 2012 that three-day fast changed my entire life i mean that's a whole podcast in and of itself mm -hmm. but uh did this three-day fast i was working at a pizza shop during my first fast ever. <laughs> so it was like crazy temptations. Yeah, and, what, are uh, the, what are the stages of a fast? Like what are the feelings that you kind of went through? With well, you know, there's different kinds of fasts. At that point, it was just simply no, no food. I was drinking water and drinking tea and, and making some juices, uh, but no food whatsoever. And for me, that first time, I had already begun changing a lot within my life and I was already beginning to study a lot of esoteric and Eastern philosophy and spirituality so 
for me during that fast, uh, I realized that fasting wasn't only fasting from food, but it was fasting from certain lifestyle activities or certain bad habits, you know? So for me, yeah, the not eating part was a little difficult, but everything else I was receiving that was like nourishing my spirit mm -hmm. felt far more rewarding than, than the discomfort of not eating. Yeah. You know? and, and you know, a lot of, I, I've never personally fasted myself, but it definitely is something that, uh, that interests me, um, for sure. But, uh, what are yeah, some man. of like what are some of the things that you've noticed immediately after that fast? Like, you know, a lot of people say that they might have a little bit more energy, they feel a little bit more clear. Yeah. Uh, what were some of the things that, that you noticed? For me, man, right away it was more energy and clarity. Mm -hmm. But it was a different uh, I don't wanna sound woo woo or anything, but <laughs> then my body was literally on a different vibration. Yeah. And I bring it up because it all relates to answering your question about my travels, is that after I did that three day fast I could no longer eat meat. I tried afterwards. I, you know, I did the fast. I felt like I cleansed. I felt like I had a lot more energy. Mm. I felt like at that point, my stomach was straight. Um, and I had tried to eat meat again. And it was just rejecting it. Completely. Like, yeah. pretty obviously rejecting it. It wasn't just some subtle shit, you know? So I became a vegetarian after that three-day fast. And a couple months, two months later, I would do a 10-day fast. And after that, I was completely vegan. No, no dairy products, no animal products whatsoever. And that was in, uh, at that point, that was 2012. And um, November of 2012 was when I finished my 10-day fast. And, for and me, still, that was only, it was only drinks, uh, juices, water. Yeah, I was making like fresh green juices. Okay. Um, I was still getting a lot of nutrients, which people don't know. I mean, you could live off liquids for, for weeks yeah. at a time. So that 10 day fast is what really made things concrete for me. And that entire year, you know, when I was, after I turned 20 is when I would really say I had a spiritual revolution occur within me where I started reading a lot, studying different things, going deeper into the philosophies and teachings that I was somewhat interested in as, as an ad adolescent, yeah. but having, and a higher level of maturity at that point to really delve deeper into it. So from all these studies I was doing of Eastern philosophy and spirituality, Native American tradi uh, traditions, South American culture, that's what made me learn about all these different places that I knew I would want to visit one day. So years of study and years of many different experiences all while uh, doing this music shit. Yeah. After I graduated, uh, five towns in 2015 at the start of 2016 I kind of felt a little you know that feeling after you graduate college for those who know where you're just like you haven't gotten a job yet you <laughs> yeah, still be yeah. at home you're like what do I do with my life yeah I remember you know? man yeah isn't it crazy yeah like when you get that piece of paper like I was just like all right yeah I'm done with school like I have this is no longer a part of my life yeah except totally, for the money man. that I owe you yeah exactly <laughs> and I was like I was like yo I'm not trying to really just like get to hustling yeah on a on an employment level like right away mm -hmm. like let me go i got some money saved from you know doing what i was doing back then and i was just like let me let me dip out somewhere and at that time for the past year and a half or so i was really deep into studying uh ethnobotany and plant medicines and herbalism and specifically um entheogens you know psychedelics and how these other cultures would, would use these different sacred plants and their traditions and ceremonies. So 
I had a interest in traveling down to South America to participate in some of these ancient some of the ceremonies. Ayahuasca stuff. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And and others. You yeah. Know? So yeah. in the the top of twenty sixteen I went down to Ecuador for my first time and uh and that's where you're at mostly, right? You go to Ecuador a lot, I feel it's like. It's my, my second home, man. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And what was that experience like? Going, I mean, you know, people. I'm sure <laughs> most of the people know what ayahuasca is, but, like, uh, walk me through that ceremony and, you know. Yeah, man. If, if, yeah, if, it's, just inter- it's just interesting. I'm like, it just, I, you know, parts me, you know, I've, after hearing about it for so many years, you're like, I got to try it, you know? Like, you know what I mean? But yeah, there's... Parts of me is just like, am I just trying, parts of me is thinking like, am I just trying to just to say I'm trying it or mm. am I actually really somebody that is like, you know, invested into yeah. this sort of self-exploration and they, they're totally. like truly benefiting from this rather than just being like, let's see what happens, you know? Yeah. Well, I'll just say right away, these plants deserve reverence. They're not recreational substances to be taken lightly yeah. because there's thousands tens of thousands of years of, of use for some of these some of these plants and they're not looked at as just plant matter down in these cultures that use them they're looked at as guides and spirits and teachers so for me this is a topic that's really dear to my heart because I feel like there is so much confusion misconceptions and sheer ignorance about the use of these plants because of how we in the West uh, tend to interact with substances. Yeah. In the West, it's very, or it has become, because it has no pleasure driven. It's like, you know. Pleasure driven, superficial, uh, simply wanting to shift um, states of being uh, without actually having much intention behind what you're doing. You know, just taking mushrooms and running around the woods or, yeah. you know, just <laughs> yeah. tripping out and doing crazy shit. Like, yeah, 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 you yeah. know, and I'm not knocking any of that because there is a time where these plant teachers could be used simply for fun or yeah. for celebration or for, for prayer, you know. But a lot of people are using these plants for healing and for reflection and for remembrance of who they are themselves. So... I think for myself being what I consider an ambassador for these traditions and teachings and someone who really has given the past six years of my life to these traditions, I'm careful with how much I share regarding certain things because not everyone can understand this this path. Yeah. And uh, at the same time, it's like a paradox within me because because there's so much misunderstanding, there's an aspect of me that wants to share so much more about the beautiful things I have received from going down to Ecuador so much. Yeah. You know? And just briefly, the, the one of the dudes, the Nor- blank Noriega, David, David? Yep. David yeah. Noriega. You had him on your, your episode, right? He's, yep. a, he's a farmer in, mm-hmm. he lives in Ecuador? No, he lives in Maine. So that's Maine. one of my, my childhood friends okay. who I grew up with in Long Island and who eventually came down to Ecuador with me. Yeah, had because a life changing. That's experience. what I'm saying. I remember <laughs> I listened to the I listened to the yeah. episode and he, he goes into his his ayahuasca experience yeah. and why he felt like he needed to reconnect with the earth. Yeah. And totally, things like man. that. Yeah. So. Yeah, and for example, I mean someone like him, he was already beginning to make some similar changes in his life mm. um, around the same time I was. And him and I really became like I would say like 
developmental partners. Like he would always keep me in check and I would keep him in check when it came to like our health or our, you know, spiritual growth or any of that. And for someone like him, I had already went down to Ecuador in 2016, yeah. but, but I was letting him know how much of a transformational time I had that he needed to come with me the next year. So to answer your question, how was my first experiences? Life changing. Life changing. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was wild. It really showed me that there's so much more to this reality and to our existence than meets the eye. Yeah. And it really helped me see, you know, what I, what I always say is that it helped me remember. For me, this path of working with uh, not only plant medicines, but just ancient ways of, of living, period, and living in a ceremonial fashion is a path of remembrance for me. It really helped me see like, oh, wow, this is in my blood. This is in not just my ancestry, not just these indigenous people's ancestry, but all of our ancestry. Simply sitting around a fire, you know, listening to these sacred songs, you know, drinking or eating a plant medicine that helps you connect with your heart and really, yeah. you know, have to face some things within yourself because there's no... There's no distractions out there, right? It's, I mean, it's just like you're in the jungle, you know, you're in the jungle. You're yeah, well, deep I was in the mountains. Many people are, you know, are in the jungle. Yeah, but yeah, where, yeah, wherever your location is, you're there with, with nature, right? Yeah, So totally. there, it again, it goes back to, you know, the Western world being a little bit more pleasure-driven. It's not like, yo, like, like you said, let's go, let's go take mushrooms and... and uh, go walk in the woods like you just yeah. do or whatever let's go take mushrooms and, and play mean, ayahuasca is not recreational yeah I mean, people are throwing up people shit them shit themselves yeah i mean people are crying people are terrified people are having the most divine ecstasy like experience they've ever had in their life it's, it's it runs the gamut and you don't know what you're going to get every time you know because it's such a powerful being such a powerful plant and has provided so much healing to those who are willing to do the work as well that it's not something you would ever imagine doing outside of a, a real ceremonial setting, at least not for me, because yeah. that's the way that my teachers and elders have taught me, you know? So for me, yeah, man, it changed my life in a lot of ways, and, and I could really speak about it for hours on end. Yeah. I, would, I would love to speak more about it as well, but at the same time, there's certain experiences I've had for myself that are just for myself, yeah. you know, that I can't really You can't really explain because so nobody's going to be able to even understand, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and, like, and there's certain levels to how you interact with this way of living. You know, for some people, I can have deeper conversations with, and I can have these conversations with you, but I'm regarding, like, the mass public. There's certain things that I would say differently to someone who has, you know, experienced these traditions and ceremonies compared to someone who like hasn't ever even smoked weed or something. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm trying to be mindful of that, but yeah, it really just helped me come back to myself and it awoke something within me. Like I always say the first time I went to one of these ceremonies in Ecuador, I truly felt like I was home. Like I had this feeling of uh, being so familiar with that setting and I knew right away this is something that I want to do a lot more of. So after my first time there in 2016, I vowed that I would come back a year later. I ended up living there for six months, working at this ayahuasca retreat center. Nice. And nice. Uh, got to see, like, you know, dozens of people travel from Australia, Israel, Japan, mm. all these places just to do these ceremonies. 
seen some really miraculous stuff that people probably wouldn't believe, stuff that I wouldn't have believed either. I mean, people who had crazy Parkinson's and can barely walk, and after 12 days, they're walking up mountains, no issue, or people who had, you know, some serious sexual abuse happened to them at a very young age and they've never been able to process it even with mm. professional therapy for 10 years then have one night with ayahuasca or one day with san pedro which is another medicine from down there and really finally release that trauma or mm. at least begin to release it and to see all these transformations and to see people who were you know in a way worse scenario than i ever was when i first went there and mm. to see them heal so deeply um, or begin their path to healing really moved me in such a way where I said, wow, like there's so much knowledge to be learned from indigenous and ancient cultures that the West has either just disregarded or stolen, you know, because from my research during that time, I would come to find out, for example, let's say the pharmaceutical industry, how do they make these compounds? How do they make all these pills, all this all these alkaloids, where are they getting them from? I was very interested, like how do they even find out the idea that they can make this product that is birth control or make this cancer treatment or this or that, you know? Yeah. And what I would come to learn is that over 70% of pharmaceutical medications can be traced back to having origins in plant medicine. And these pharmaceutical companies, many times in the past, especially in, in the 70s, 80s, and previously and after, would go down to the Amazon, learn what these tribes were using to treat certain ailments, identify those plants, take those plants, take them to the laboratory, isolate a certain compound or alkaloid, and then turn it into a pharmaceutical drug without ever compensating these indigenous tribes who taught them that these plant medicines contain these wow. healing properties. So for me, being down there and seeing it firsthand, you know, and also having the history of, you know, my grandparents in Jamaica and my grandparents in Iran who all, all knew basic herbalism. I mean, all of our ancestors did. I said, wow, this is something that I know from my life, I wanna re-educate myself on because it's helping me reconnect with my, my natural essence. You know, you brought up you never fasted before, right? Yeah. In the past, humans had to fast there was no choice you didn't have a supermarket on every corner you didn't have all this food stocked into shelves in your house if you were hungry you had to go hunt if you were thirsty you had to go find and retrieve water you know so fasting is part of our evolution it's a big reason why there's so much illness today in our country and everywhere is because people just don't stop fucking eating man you know, and our bodies yeah. are designed to take a break from eating. So I bring all this up to say that these practices of not only how we eat, not only how we heal, but how we sing and pray and dance and just, you know, spend time with each other. Down in Ecuador, I received a lot of education and remembrance and nourishment from that. And it's why I continued to go down there and I forged close relationships with some shamanic families down there who I would come to have become my, my teachers, my brothers, my sisters, and who would really teach me a lot of their ways and take me under their wing and mm. teach me some of these deeper lessons that I've been interested in since going there. So that's why I continue to return there. And from there, 
a lot of my other travels have come as well because I ended up meeting my girlfriend down there. She's from Sweden. She was just happened to be traveling through Ecuador and ran into each other and fell in love right away. And from there, I began to travel to Sweden a bunch. Yeah. And then what are some of your, other stuff. What are some of your favorite countries that you've been to? Like, uh, you know, you, you mentioned Ecuador, you mentioned Sweden. Uh, Peru is one of my favorites. Um, I'm so invested in my family that I, I formed down in Ecuador that, like, if I'm going anywhere lately, it's either Ecuador or Sweden because yeah. that's where my loved ones are. But Peru has, like, such a deep place in my heart. There's a beautiful city called Cusco. It's where Machu Picchu is. Um, and it's... What is, what's, what's Machu Picchu? Machu Picchu is... An, ancient uh incan archaeological site that is just like just research it i mean yeah. it's it's like yeah gotcha it's insane what these what these indigenous people were, we're able, able to build, build. Yeah. i mean i mean they were they weren't people who were just running around the jungle or mountains i mean these were high mathematicians and scientists and you see it when you're there um so cusco is one of my favorite places on the planet i love going to sweden as well because the culture there is uh the culture is cool if i'm being honest but the the country itself it's beautiful. is beautiful yeah and and the society is beautiful the way they actually run their country is is amazing you know i like to see how clean things are there and how well taken care of the citizens are so sweden's great um jamaica obviously because that's like my roots yeah um i feel a certain level of energy that i don't feel anywhere else when i go to jamaica and that's probably just because like all the ital eating which is like what with how the rastas eat you know just no pure vegetarian vegan you know all the fruits mm. i love jamaica um everywhere man i got a lot of places on my yeah, list too me too i got a lot of places i need to go i've only checked off two i've been to uh costa rica and then Beautiful. i've been to um paris Mm, dope. I love Paris. I could live in Paris. Mm. I really, especially where I was at. Shout out my boy Jay Hart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out Jay Hart. Yeah. Uh, he might. We might have to get him on here one day. Yeah, he's, he's always working with uh, what's his name, Aaron. Yeah. Uh, Aaron. Uh, Jay Hart's my brother, man. Yeah, that's Jay Hart's a, that's cool. A real good dude. Man. I met Jay Hart a couple years ago, but the last time, I mean, I saw him before that, but the last time I've like worked with him was uh, the Radamans like off top freestyle that mm, I set up with right. him and Mark. Yo, yeah. that freestyle it was is crazy, crazy, right? Crazy, bro. Yo, my, he actually references ayahuasca in yeah. that freestyle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My roommate and I made that beat, dude. I remember when, like, when we were. You guys uh, made that? Yeah. Damn, yeah. bro. Me and my boy. It was mostly my boy John. I just helped in a couple Still of little spots. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, he like came over and recorded that verse, and I was just like, bro, this is nice. Stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah. That shit yeah. was wild. But not Paris. That's dope. I, have, I haven't been. I would love to go. It was dope, man. I was. Uh, I stayed in the. Uh, they, I guess they're considered like assortments. Assortments. Uh, I stayed in the tenth, which was like not too far from like the Eiffel Tower and all that. Mm -hmm. But it felt very, uh, you know, because I've lived in New York for so long that I just compare every other city I go to to New York. Is it like right. better than New York? You know. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was walking around, I got the very much like New York vibe. I like the city. You know, what right. I mean, I like I like being able to duck away to the country when mm -hmm. I want to, but I need to be like I'm one of those people that needs to be like like uh, stimulated kind of yeah, like no with doubt. the things that are going on around me. You yeah. know, what I, mean? I can't take too much isolation. Yeah, I, feel I start that. to like get a little wild. You know, a yeah. little crazy. Yeah, I'm like the opposite, man. Yeah. Even though I mean, being raised as a New Yorker, even though I grew up in LA, I mean, I was always coming to the city and the borough. Yeah. It's like. I don't know. There's a certain amount of nourishment I receive from being in the city. Mm -hmm. Sure, and I need it every now and then. But 
lately in these recent years, man, just the nature yeah, is yeah, my yeah. vibe. I feel you know? it. Yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a weird. It's like a yeah, it's a weird. It's a love hate uh, relationship. There's been other cities that I've thought about leaving and going to, but yeah, I don't know, man. I, I it's uh, it's just interesting, you know what I mean? That people, but it's just like I like because I feel like. I've always enjoyed the city, but I appreciate nature so much more when I get to go away. Mm, you know, I get to like get out and explore yeah. rather than like being in all the time. Cause I have family in like upstate New York that live in the middle of nowhere, you know, in mm -hmm. the woods, there's plenty of hiking and there's plenty yeah. of, you know, fishing and yep. hunting and things like that, that I've all, I've participated in, but it's just, yeah, something about the people around me, but in my personal, it's weird. Cause like, I like being around a lot of people in the city, just like, just in general mm -hmm. and being around like all the creative people. But I'm very much by myself, like a, a solo yeah. type of person. Like I'll show up to events by myself. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. you used I've to be all, on the bike, man. Yeah, I'm still always on the bike <laughs> every day, man. Okay, fire, man. Every I love day, it. I'm I love still it. on the bike every day, man. <laughs> Dope, man. Putting miles in. Hell yeah. Uh, uh, I do some work on a bike, so like yeah, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. Like yeah, I'm out no five doubt. days a week, just like cruising no the boroughs. You know yeah, what I mean? Man. So um, it was dope. Uh, but you do a lot of like documentation of these travels too, which is which is really dope. Um, and it's something I wanted to talk to you about because you have different like forms of mediums. You know, you got like you know you got your director work, you got your photography work, oh. you know, film stuff like that. I wanted to like kind of pick your brain a little bit because my favorite stuff of yours um, is the portraits. Dope. I was yeah. hoping you were gonna say that or anything photography related. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm like a big fan. I don't know if you. I mean you. I know I watched your like introduction to your uh, your podcast, which again we'll we'll, we'll talk about in a minute mm -hmm. here. Um, but one of the things you said was that you love uh, listening to podcasts and like that's like yep. where you draw like a lot of your inspiration from. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And uh, I don't know if you if you're familiar with this uh, podcast called Soft White Underbelly. Nah, no. no? Okay, you, you, I, I think you'll really like this. Please, man, put me on. Check it out. It's mm -hmm. uh it's done by this dude Mark. I forgot his last name, but he lives on or he shoots off of Skid Row and like basically it's portrait style interviews where you're just getting um, background on like, he interviews homeless people, mm -hmm. pimps, prostitutes, schizophrenics, people with mental issues, mothers and little people, like young kids that are homeless, mm -hmm. like all types of shit, pimps, wow. all that stuff. But it's, it's uh, he's profiles. Take, he's taking photographs of them as well? Or he's just like so focusing? He focuses on, on it's that. just like a straight up interview, like yeah, on a back, yeah. with, a, with a backdrop. Yeah. But like in in the middle of the interview, he'll, he does like these uh, slow pans, mm -hmm. like up and down of the person while they're talking. Okay. But it's just like a deep dive into all types of people that in, in you know, around the world, he travels around the country and does interviews and you know, whatever. Yeah. But I think it's uh, something that you'll, you'll really enjoy. You should check it out. Ah, thank you, man. But what I was getting to was my favorite type of work. And one of the stuff that the, some of the things that I really liked with yours were your portraits. Yeah. And you know, portraits for me are, are some of my favorite types of, of photos because like, I don't know, like when, when you, when you look at a portrait, you can kind of, for me personally, I'm like looking, I'm like, what does this person sound like? What mm. is their, what's their like vibe? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of things you can get or, you know, uh, a lot of information. A lot. Just, yeah. Just, there's a lot of, the eyes. yeah, there's a lot of, inf yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you said it much better than I could. There's a lot of more, there's a lot more information in the eyes than, yep. uh, than necessarily like a video. I feel like you get a little bit more. Yeah. Of like a, Definitely, man. Yeah. And just off rip, I got to credit my big bro, Khalik Allah, because he's the portraiture god. Yeah. You know, he's someone who, he's the one who got me into photography, even just indirectly, in, indirectly just by mm. watching him kill it, you know? Um, so for me, 
port- I am a portraiture photographer. Yeah. That's what I consider myself as because I take photos of everything, concerts, you know, nature, uh, you know, lifestyle, mm-hmm. but I'm really into documenting people in a candid way as well yeah. because I'm not like a posed kind of photographer. Even the portraits I take are somewhat candid and sometimes completely candid, you know, because for me, photography is like the art outside of everything, you know, music, video, all this other stuff I do that I've really been uh, most passionate about. I would say not more than music, but in a very different way. I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't get the same kinds of nourishment from, from the both of them. You know, for me, photography period, but taking portraits is like something sacred. And I learned that from my older brother, you know, because to get someone to feel comfortable enough to mm-hmm. really relax, I mean, you could take a portrait of anyone and it could show whatever emotional state they're in. But to get that level of trust between somebody is like, it's sacred, you know? And, and someone, someone put it to me recently that I did some photos for in Ecuador who told me like, oh, these are the best photos I ever had taken of me. Like, oh my God, and this is like someone who is now a dear friend of mine, but yeah. has done a lot of acting and, and, and modeling and all this stuff. And she told me, she said, the difference between your photos and others is that I'm seeing what you see in the photo. And I was like, or I'm paraphrasing a bit, but I said, what do you mean by that? And she said, I can see the beauty that you see when you take the photo, meaning the photos I take and that she helped me articulate is not only like my perspective of life, you know, that's a cliche thing to say as a photographer, but it's really an accurate representation of what I'm feeling in that moment. And I try to not only take my photos, but edit my photos in that way that really mm. encapsulate what I'm feeling in my heart for that person. It's why you don't see so many photos of random people on my website or yeah, on it my, seems, on my it feed. seems like a, you it's know, all relational yeah. people I know, yeah. you know? So, you know, I'll probably get into photographing more, people I don't know, maybe more street stuff, and I have a good amount of that stuff, but not as much as I do of people who I have made relationships with, you mm-hmm. know, so. Yeah. No, yeah, that, that, was, that was this one thing I definitely wanted to touch on. Because um, it, it's kind of, you know, the idea of this podcast is, you know, I want to cater it more towards, like, investigative journalism, kind of mm-hmm. like diving into the people's lives. and no doubt. Uh, do- Taking a dive into people's lives and, like, you know, eventually like going places with them and living their life for you know for whatever it may be you know but it's good it goes kind of hand in hand with with the photography with the portrait style photography for me because it's Mm -hmm. like you're you're without words putting an image out to a a mass amount of people for them to decipher and to feel what they feel and, and everybody feels something different i just think it's like it's dope to highlight those those types of things, you know. Yeah, totally. Um, and then you know, then we're, it goes hand in hand with with the podcast that you, that you have, the Masters mm-hmm. of Ceremony podcast, yep. which I did some research. I was wonder. I was going to ask you why you called it Masters of Ceremony, but mm-hmm. then I listened to the intro and yeah. talk about it, like relating to MC. Um, mm-hmm. Talk to me, you know, about because you said you were thinking on it for a couple of years where you wanted to do this. What was mm-hmm. what was the idea behind this podcast and your podcast and uh what was the goal that you wanted to achieve with it yeah man thank you for asking for me it was very similar to the fifth tape i really want it but but for myself like the fifth tape was like i got all these 15 artists i know i want to bring them together yeah 
for me, Masters of Ceremony was like, I got these 15 artists within myself. I want to bring them together into mm-hmm. one platform. I'm like, how do I merge all of my passions into one thing? Oh, it's probably me not only speaking about it myself, but also interviewing people who are not only experts in their fields, but passionate artists in their fields. So for me, Masters of Ceremony, the name is a double entendre. It is relating to MCs, you know, of hip hop, mm. but also masters of ceremony, relating to all this indigenous, ancient ceremonial work that I've been committing myself to in South America. Yeah. And do you, sorry. No, 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 uh, no please. Do you, do you consider it the act of like, say what we're doing, like the act of sitting across from somebody and having like a conversation, that in itself is a ceremony, Totally, man. Right? I say yeah. often, and, I, and I'm not exaggerating this, from a good conversation with somebody, I can feel so nourished that I don't feel the need to eat. Yeah. You know what it feels like to have a really dope conversation mm. with somebody and there's this level of satiation afterwards where you're just like, ah, like, yeah, I needed that. That's sacred. That's ceremonial, you know? And, and to, to go deeper into the, like, the hip-hop aspect of it, just like think about a cypher or just kicking freestyles mm-hmm. with your homies or just like being on stage. That's all very ceremonial and ancient in a way, whether people are aware of that or not. So for me, MOC was a podcast where I wanted to really speak on all these different things that have influenced me throughout my life. Photography, art, uh, shamanism and plant medicines, hip hop, uh, filmmaking, everything, you know. And uh, for me, as I say, at some point, you said you heard it somewhere. I've been listening to podcasts for for years now. Yeah. I mean, it's gotten really popular in the past yeah, two, three yeah, years. Yeah. But I've been listening to podcasts for a while now because I'm, I live in LI and I love to drive. Mm-hmm. I used to have a, a delivery job where I was driving so much. And I used to have to commute for school and everything. I'm just always in my car. And sometimes I didn't want to always listen to music. And that's yeah. how I got into podcasts. Yep, I'm, I'm, I was the same way. Yeah, like, on the bike, I'm sure. Man. Yeah, not even on the, mostly, mm-hmm. well, in the, when I'm chilling on the, like, not when I'm riding, but yeah. I'll, like, post up in a park and I'll watch no something, doubt. right? No doubt. But when I'm in my car and I'm going upstate and I got, like, a four-hour drive or, yep. you know, I might be on the plane or something like that, it's really nice, yeah, just to, to sit back and, like, just hear somebody uh, speak and listen best, to this, Especially you know, if it's something uh, inter- informative yeah. and educating. Like, yeah. I was like, wow, I could learn about, I don't know, quantum physics by listening to this podcast yeah. for an hour. Like, crazy stuff like that. Or I could listen to my favorite artists give an interview. Like, mm-hmm. So I fell in love with podcasts, and I learned so much through that medium because there's no other medium like podcasting. Every other medium, you need to really engage with it visually mm-hmm. in some way. You know, if it comes regards to reading a book or watching a movie or a TV show or even a, a video interview. But a podcast, you could wash the dishes and listen to. You could drive and listen to. You could be on the bike. So you have all that time that's been freed up to be able to invest into just listening to people. Mm. So I knew just from how much I love to have conversations that I wanted to create a platform where I could do that. You know, and it's been, it's crazy to say, uh, and I'm not ashamed of it because there's been good reason and it's been intentional, but it's been a year since I've even released an episode on my podcast. Yeah, I saw that. I was going to ask you about I was going to ask you about It's been a minute. And, uh, from, and no, I figured it was travel. And, it was travel. Yeah. It was as simple as that. I mean, it got to a point where, I mean, you know, we got these mics here. You got the camera set up. Mm. I don't know how much of the work you're doing. 
I'm assuming most of it. Yeah, all of it's it. pretty simple set of, um, you know, there's no yeah. real editing to it. Yeah, so you know. for me, I was doing a two microphone setup yeah. and I went to school for audio engineering. So I focus on the audio heavy. I'm mixing and mastering the audio myself. Yeah. I have a two camera setup because I'm doing majority of my podcast like this in mm. person. Two camera setup. I'm filming everything myself. I have no assistant. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm watching levels and, and reading car yeah. spaces and all that during it. Very sly. I don't think anyone sees me doing it, but I'm, you know, doing mm. it in a good way. And then I'm going home and I'm mixing and mastering all the audio. Yep. I'm syncing it with the video, you know, with the two camera setup. I yeah, mean, it gets it a little tricky. Time. The editing, yeah, it's, yeah. it's so. Oh man. I mean, it, I the, can, I, the the multi sequence yeah. program on on Adobe Premiere saved me hours. Eventually, when I learned. Oh how to really? Do, yeah. There's, there's okay. You L, might, I might have to learn about that. I just, I'm using. It still this. takes time though. You have yeah. to at least watch the entire episode at the yeah. very least. But yeah, there's more yeah, edits yeah. than that. So doing all that, and then transcribing the episodes because I like to have subtitles for the clips I use on that's Instagram. Yeah, that's a lot. Crazy time. So. I was doing all that myself, no one yep. helping me, all of that, you know, coloring, post-production, video, all that. So after a minute, when I began to know that I had some travels coming up, it just wasn't viable for me to, to be on it as much as I was. Yeah. So I said, consciously, I'm going to take a step back because for me, Masters of Ceremony is a lifelong podcast. That's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I never felt the pressure to release an episode every week or you know even every month even though i wanted to be at that point if i'm being honest yeah. but i've been flexible enough with that project to know that it is a lifelong project for me mm. so to take a year off is nothing for me i mean i spent five years on the fifth tape yeah and uh I think people really enjoyed that podcast and are going to continue to, to yeah, see the episodes dope. I got coming next. Nice. I, mean, I have a lot of stuff in the stash even right now that's ready to go. I'm yeah. just waiting for the right time. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the hardest thing, man, is like keeping things going sometimes. You know, and a lot of people seem, you know, from the outside looking in, it's like, oh, you're only just shooting an episode. You know, you're only meeting up with somebody to have a conversation. But there's times where I'm sure you, you and I know where I felt like this, where I'm just like, I just don't want to do it, man. Like, yeah. I just... I just don't want to do it. I don't. I want feel that to, with the know. editing sometimes. The conversations yeah. I can have all day. Exactly. It's yeah. yeah. It's yeah. It, yeah. It's like the yeah. the you know if it was just like oh we had a conversation it was boom it was uploaded right now it would be yeah. like whatever you know yeah but uh there's yeah there's sometimes man where you where you're just like and there was moments where I you know I'm in the the place where I'm in that position where it was like yo I gotta at least do three episodes a month because yeah. it's like. I want people, and I know I can do more, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But it's just like, it's like, yeah, it's like finding that balance. And you seem to have it under control where you don't feel like the pressure because you say that that's going to be like a lifelong thing. And, yeah. and, you know, I do this podcast too as just like a, a means of having content for myself and something yep. that I created on my own. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's like hard finding that balance of like, I want this to be successful, Yeah. but it's not my main focus. You know what totally. I mean? Like, I don't care about how many subscribers I have. I yeah. don't care about how many views my video got. Because every time I up, every time I upload a new episode, I might get two or three, four or five, maybe six at the most new followers. Yeah, that's yeah. that's cool enough for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, but it's likewise, just like, man. Yeah. And for me, if I'm being honest, I, I want to work to the point of like that podcast being the main thing I do. Me too. One of the main thing. Yeah. I do, me know? too. And I'm I'm willing to do the Zoom podcast because mm -hmm. I got I got some some of those as well um, because that allows you to connect with people who you wouldn't otherwise be yeah. able to connect with, you know, but for me, I'm very, I'm a visual person. I Same. like, I, for me, I don't know about you, but 
if I'm driving or moving, I like to listen to a podcast. But if I'm stationary and there's a video version, I will always watch the video Same. version. Yeah. Because I want to see sure. the interaction. I want to see the body language, yep. all that, the, the jokes in person. It just, it just looks better. You yeah. Know? Yep. So, that, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot, though, to be filming and editing and, and doing all that, especially by yourself. So for me, I want to streamline my, my process somehow to be a little bit smoother where yeah. I can crank out episodes and not have to spend you know, days on end just preparing them. Yeah. Or at least have, have some help maybe. I don't know. Well, there's studios. I forgot the name of the studio. Uh, but um, these guys on it. Well, the, one of the dudes who I had on my show is dude Alex. He was a uh, part of the Budden podcast. I think he's, he's still there. He's the computer guy. He likes, mm. He's doing all like the searching and shit while they're talking okay. or whatever. Dope. And uh, he came on and uh, they use a space out of Bushwick. I forgot the name of it, man, but it's a really dope setup. It's, mm. like, made for podcasts. It's got, like, screens behind you. Okay, they got, like, the cr- cloud roof and all that. Yeah. But I think within within their fee, it's a little bit pricier on, on, on like, the price range or mm-hmm. whatever. But, like, within their fee, they provide you with an editor. I think it's edited right then and there. Yeah, probably. They got it, so, they got it streamlined. So yeah, the, so the, you the just cameras leave. cameras are switching, all yep. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. just leave with it. You just bring a memory card, and you just leave with that. It is all in there. Yeah. Damn, so that's fire, man. it's you know it's just uh, something that you could think of if you ever in yeah. the t- if you ever want to shoot over here or something yeah you know if i'm man? local man for sure and yeah. I, I mean i was doing all my podcasts out here in brooklyn even though i live out east in long island but uh for me i'm moving around so much and i'm about to prepare to be moving around even more so mm. that i do see probably my podcast flipping to being more of an online interview situation yeah. and when i am here in new york or in the States, I'll be doing them in person. And when I'm down in Ecuador, I got some people who I'm looking forward to making some episodes with, and that'll be like in person on video yeah. with, you know, so. Yeah, I, uh, another another episode that I watched that I, another artist that was on your podcast that I like went and looked up her music was that uh, Annie Treza. Ah, dope. Annie yeah. Treza? Yeah, that Annie's a, a high school friend. From my, yeah, yeah. 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 She's great. I, I, that interview was super cool, man. It was just like out of the back of a van, like on, a, yeah. I assume, on a beach. Yeah, it was close. Close, close to, to the a beach. beach. Yeah, you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it seemed like that's the, the vibe. Yeah, 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 that's the yeah. vibe I was getting, you know Yeah, I mean? nah, man. That's something I want to do more of as well, yeah. like, especially with, with the Blank Noriega podcast as well, like being outside yeah. recording because I'm confident enough in my audio engineering and setup skills that I could record outside and it not be yeah, yeah, sounding yeah. like trash. You know, as long as you know some pretty basic things, you can get a really good recording outdoors. Mm. And for me, the Annie Trezor episode and, and Blank's episode were like two of my favorites because it was like me and Annie were chilling in the back of her van. Yeah, it me, seemed like more your vibe. You yeah, know? me and Dave were like chilling in this crazy wind harp vessel out in New Hampshire. Yeah. Like, yeah, man, as you said, I, I want to be mobile with everything yeah. I do. Well, this thing right here, man, I always tell yeah, people, like, Yeah, it's fire, man. I've been checking it out. <laughs> it's, uh, it's called the Roadcaster, bro, and mm-hmm. it's literally all everything you need built into one thing, man. It's got all the channels. You got the yeah, USB sick, hookups, man. all that. But it's able. you're able to travel with it. You know yeah. what I mean? I got a little case for it, and I can pop up wherever I want as long yeah. as I have a power outlet, you know? Yeah, for me, man, I use a Zoom H6. Yep. Um, you don't even need a power outlet for that. Word. So for me, that's, like, yeah, I was re- originally recording on Logic, like through a computer, but then yeah. I like started, people would like bump the desk or something and the cord would come you know, loose. I'm too scared to do that yeah. on, on a computer. Because honestly, you could do some crazy things with the quality and setup with that. Yeah. But for me, using the, that Rodecaster or, mm. or an H6, you're getting just as good quality. And yeah. It's like everything's being recorded 
directly straight away for me if like pro tools or logic glitches or something and the recording stops i'm, I'm gonna be yeah tight, you know so yeah no dude yeah. it's trust me there's been times where, where i had guests on and i was like you had to like start the interview over oh yeah man. maybe like yeah, 15 bro. minutes into it or you know sometimes you got the sirens in the back or no, whatever all good it's authentic uh, man <laughs> yeah exactly you know what i mean we're on we're on the main block or whatever yeah. uh I do want to talk about some of your the features that you've had. You know, you've, some of the things you've been featured in. Yep. Um, the one that I definitely wanted to highlight was New York Times. Mm -hmm. That's like a you know that's a prestigious newspaper. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know news uh, company to be affiliated with. Um, what were you What were you uh, featured in about that? Was it Was it your photography? Yeah, it was a portrait yeah. of my big brother, Mateo Escarapur. He is a New York Times bestseller for his debut novel, Black Buck, which is out now. Okay, shout Everybody out. Everybody go grab that. Um, <laughs> he uh, asked me to do some, some author photos for him um, sometime before the book came out. Mm -hmm. And uh, New York Times ended up using one of our photos, and that was, that was a huge accomplishment yeah. of mine. You know, it was a, a big thing to check off my list yeah. honestly so yeah there's okay so i didn't want to ask you this off the off the top or when we were talking about the music and stuff mm -hmm. but for some reason like we were, t we were talking about things that you've worked on you, you know videos you've directed you've worked with some of the asap members right yeah 12 12 yep. yep okay and uh i want to say i remember this or somebody you didn't i don't think you told me this but i think it might have heard it through like radimus or mad was one of these dudes mm. But at one point, were you working on the Beyonce album? Uh, Lemonade. Yes. Yeah, indirectly. Again, big shout out to my my older brother. Yeah, like a lot. Like let's I, talk about that my, for a little bit. My physical blood brothers are legends, man. Yeah, like, it was her birthday the other day. Where, or, oh, really? To, yeah, or today or some shit. Oh, damn. I didn't, I didn't even and I, and, uh, I'm not that clued in. <laughs> yeah, I saw it on, uh, on Instagram, yeah. Complex or whatever. Yeah. But... Yeah, like tell me about that because that that's insane. Yeah, man. You know what I, mean? I thought it's so funny. I was just reflecting on that yesterday, actually, yeah. because um, essentially I was down in South by Southwest. Uh, yeah, I'm terrible with years mm -hmm. because like my journey's been crazy the past like five years. But I yeah. think I don't know, maybe 2018 or something. Uh, probably 2018. Actually, no, 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 no. I remember now. It was 2016. Uh, I was down South by Southwest with the whole mogul club. Was this, uh, I don't know if you paid attention to the, the story, uh, uh, what's his name, Riz told us on, um, on, his, on his episode, where everybody was like sleeping and they were, ended up having to sleep in like college dorms or some shit, the rooms were in, all messed in, up. In South by? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I ended up dipping to do the Beyonce job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I basically... It was a crazy journey. We were in a crazy sprinter van with, with some yeah, other Chris cats. Chris said he was like, there was one moment where he wanted to sh uh, cry in the shower. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, there were some dangerous moments <laughs> even traveling down to South by. We yeah, drove 33 hours God to get there. damn, bro. And uh, I remember on the drive there, and once I got there, just to be honest, like, I loved being with the homies. It wasn't the homies at all. There were some other things going on where I was like, yo, I'm not really feeling the vibe here so much. Yeah. And actually in that exact moment where I was like, Yo, I don't want to drive back with all these people. And I'm not talking about Mogul, you know. I'm not talking about anyone who was there specifically, but just like the whole energy of driving in the whip. And we, there were things in the car that we could potentially get in trouble with, and all, all this stuff. Like, I'm like, yo, I prefer not to like go through this again. In that exact moment, my older brother Kali called me and said that Beyonce's people had discovered some of his work and wanted to hire him for um, serving as an assistant director 
um, on her film Lemonade. Yeah. So he was asked to bring an assistant with him. So he chose me, you know, because him and I had done previous work together. We worked on a film called Black Mother that we made together in Jamaica. We've worked on other films of his. He's an internationally known filmmaker and photographer. He's, he's crazy with it. But he brought me on the Beyonce job and I just served as an assistant to him while he was shooting. Yeah. So his job and our job were just to like run around New Orleans and capture crazy footage in the streets, like in the hood, on, on like real old school film. He had 16 millimeter Bowflex and all this other stuff. Um, so I basically just assisted him. I didn't get to meet Beyonce. He, he saw her on a previous shoot because he actually did two sessions on, for that film. And when we were shooting, we had no idea how much they were going to use. But if you watch that film, any of the shots that look like old school film, that was all me and my brother. Word. And uh, we were shocked at how much they actually actually relied on that footage and used it. Yeah, because you don't you didn't have it on your on your website, so I was just like, Yeah, no, nah, I should probably throw it up there, you know. But I was, I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I got paid for it. Yeah, you know, it wasn't like I was just only there. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I, I got contracted for it, but. Uh, Big Bro is really the one who was responsible for, for shooting all that stuff and, and bringing me on the job. And what's crazy about that is I had lost some money in an unfortunate way yeah. right before that, right before that job. And um, the payment I got from that job was the exact amount of money that wow. I lost, like to the dollar. <laughs> That's and it wasn't insane. like an average amount of money. Yeah. So it was like... It was crazy. You yeah. Know, so that was that was a big blessing for me, man. That's wild, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was I was like I was like I, I don't know. I was looking at the website, your website, and I was just like, I know I heard this before, but I didn't want to like bring it up on air. And I should probably like, throw it up there just for just for clout. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You know, get some, a little clout. Sometimes do I, a little I, memory post, like a post on Throwback Thursday. Like, yeah, oh, totally. remember the time I, I have from, people yeah. telling me to do stuff like that all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah. At, at the end of the day, like. I don't know. I try to be as humble as possible and I try to really yeah. uh, stand on my own art because I do have so many family members and friends who have really helped put me in great positions to mm. achieve some great things. But I don't ever want to just like piggyback too much off that. Yeah. I'm, at, I'm at a point in my career where I'm trying to produce art and content and share more of who I am and allow that art to be interfaced with who I am, you mm. know, so I'm really hoping to produce some of my own films and more albums, not like the fifth tape. I mean, some like the fifth tape, but probably some that people wouldn't expect from me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man, just keep on creating. What's next for you in, uh, in the travels? Where are you headed next? In the travels, I am going to Sweden next. Right. You know, me and my lady have been in a, a five and a half year long term relationship. We've, we've made it work in an incredible way. And it's gotten to that point, though, where it's time to be together a little bit more mm. long-term, same location, get an apartment together. Yeah. That's, that's not something that uh, I've announced publicly so much. I guess I will now, you know, but I'll be there for some time. Who knows? I'm always moving around, you know, but for mm. me, starting like family life, even at a young age, is, is something I want to do while also not sacrificing my own personal journey. Yeah, my own yeah. journey and goals and dreams, you know? And, and that's like, for me, that's what a true partner is going to do for you, is she or he is going to support you in what you're trying to achieve and, and vice versa. And that's what I have, thank God, in my relationship, someone who really 
loves me for who I am, sees what I want to do, and, and is there for me completely. Mm -hmm. So for me, I benefit by having a partner like that, and I benefit from being there in person, you know? So that's the next move, but then Ecuador again as yeah. well. That's like, I've been to Ecuador three times within this year alone. Yeah. I've, I've traveled to like, I don't know how many countries, maybe four or five countries during this entire pandemic. You know, mm. I didn't let this pandemic stop me from doing these different things I've wanted to do for some time now. So I say that to say, I'm always going to keep on moving no matter what's going on. Yeah. Shit, man. It's a lot. There's, I mean, there's so much more we that I could pick your brain about. Um, but I just want to thank you for coming in. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, man. Of course. If if, if you have any more time, I'm down. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. If, I don't know if you see, do or not. But. Let's see. I got. We got. I got to get out of here in, in no like doubt, no I think doubt. like 20, 30 no minutes. Doubt. But um, what's some of the? Let's see what the other notes I got from you. Uh, we talked about working with Mogul Club Lemonade album, favorite country. Um, when uh, who who are some of like the guests like uh going back to the podcast before we get out of here who, who are some guests that you would like to see and i'm sure you got like a list because i know I, I have a list of people that i would like to have of guests i haven't had on yet yeah of guests you haven't had on people that you're trying to reach out to um, or that you would like to interview there's people who i haven't reached out to yet that i know if i do reach out to i can get them on you know yeah. like, i would love to interview vidan i feel like he is like one of the illest producers out in recent years and has like made so much of an impact that and he's a quiet dude, you know, and very humble dude. I feel like he deserves a little bit more of an opportunity to kind of speak more about his journey. So yeah. definitely Vidan. Um, Does he do a lot of interviews or? Nah, nah, nah not at all. A, little, um, a lot of, you know, I try, I try not to call these interviews really. Yeah, conversations. You know, conversations. You know, he, he has some stuff out there, but yeah, Vidan, yeah. the homie for sure. Um, I mean, rappers and stuff, I could think of many, but mm. I want to like, interview different like, medicine men yeah and people who are into ceremony and people who are you know doctors in certain fields and experts on on fitness and you know different spiritual leaders and i really want to balance my podcast out because the episodes i have now are more geared towards music mm. and uh Same. Art, and i want a little bit more uh holistic spirituality um that whole other aspect of myself than people don't get to see too often. I want to really shed light on that more. So, um, yeah. Yeah. The same, same, people, yeah. Same with me too. Like with this podcast, like a lot of, a lot of people who I've had on tend to be leaning more towards like the music creative yeah. marketing thing. But I mean, it's just cause I feel like those are the types of people that we're kind of like surrounded by. Yeah. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. But same thing. Like, uh, there's some interviews that I'm working on, um, that I really want to get done. The, there's this really interesting one. I won't mention his name, but, uh, there's this dude uh, who recently was re received clemency. Uh, mm -hmm. He was in jail for like fit 40 years or something like that yep. for a crime he didn't commit. Damn. And he just got out. And uh, I'm like in the process of like trying to to do something with him. But he's like super, I mean, he's getting a lot of like, like yeah. press right now and stuff like that. And we're trying to find a way to like make it, you know, comfortable mm -hmm. for him and you know there's a lot of shit yeah. that you, you gotta you gotta discuss beforehand of before course, you can even do course. it but that's like again like i think we're kind of like on the same page with where we want our podcast to go yeah, you man. know to show to show people the different side of you and, and you know and to the show the different things that you're interested in yeah of um, course and and for me as well with being respectful of certain people's journey there's a lot of a lot of conversations I want to have with people that I would actually never push record on. Yeah. You know, especially some of my, my friends and teachers down in South America, 
there's certain conversations that I want to record just for myself mm. because there's like sensitive aspects of certain people's journeys or certain people's traditions that I'm not at leisure to share with everybody else. So that's another thing I've been going through with this podcast is like there's certain conversations I want to have with certain people, but I know I'm only going to allow it to go so far mm. because I'm not going to be one of those podcasters who's like, trying to get the information out of someone that is like personal to them, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not one of these, I'm not going to name any names, but you know, you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, the rumor report type shit. Yeah, yeah, you know totally. Or just like trying to grab information that I know, like you have to earn. Yeah. You know, it goes back to what I was saying about the plant medicine stuff. You know, there's certain things that I feel like if you want to learn about, you go, you go to those places. You know, mm. I was taught that at a, at a young age regarding that path. And it's like yeah. the same thing with like even hip hop. You want to learn about this culture, you got to be in it. You can't just only read about it yeah, you know, or listen real. to it. So, yeah, man. But thank you for having me on. Yo, I appreciate you coming in, man. Yeah, it's, I, it's, I don't even remember the last time I, I even had the chance to see you. It was uh, probably at a show or something. Probably. You know what ago. it probably was? Were you at the listening party for the Rad album? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it in, was. In the spot in, the, in Chelsea? Yeah, 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 for sure. I think that might have been the last time okay. I saw you, All right? That, that wasn't was so, so long. It wasn't like... Maybe, maybe I have seen you before after that. I don't but know. It was, it's weird. The pandemic, bro. The yeah, shit, man. I don't know what, you know what I mean? Like people, people mentioned the other day, it was a year and a half. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's been a blur. Yeah. For me, man. And for I've real. just been, like Kendrick said, I've been ducking the pandemic, man. <laughs> ducking those overnight <laughs> activists. You know what I'm saying? Like, real talk. Yeah. We, we didn't even go into any current events or anything. No, nah, we did. I love it. Uh, I mean, shit, you know, there's plenty of music that has dropped. Um, I mean, we, we don't even need. No, need we not, We don't have to go. Know, into but there's that. A, but there's a lot of good music out right there now. I'm happy. Shout, I'm happy at the state of hip hop. Yeah, there's honestly, a lot of good man. shit. I will tell you to look at this. Uh, check out this one album. I'll send it to you after this. But this dude, Jameson, I think he put the best project out out of all really? the big really. Yeah, okay, man, please, just sonically uh, put together. Well, I'd love to see. He's dope. He's super dope. He's dope. coming to New York soon too. What's his name? Jameson. J J M S N. Oh, yeah. okay, dope. I'm familiar with him, but I'm, yeah, I'm he's familiar with like rap soul. Yeah, yeah, that's how I found out about. Yeah, but he's like soul funk. Like okay, plays fire. every instrument on stage type shit. It's All really right. it's a really dope Shout project. Out Jameson, but yo, Andrew, yo, my brother, thank, thank you for you, coming man. in, man. Of course, I appreciate it. I look forward to doing it again sometime. Yeah, for sure. We almost got all the mogul club in here, like I told you. you know? Ah, right, man, we're gonna do a group interview <laughs> at some point. <laughs> One day, yeah, for sure. Hell yeah, man. Bless. Hell yeah.